Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, today's a great day. Man, what a great day to hang out and get in God's Word together, open up the Bible as we talk about going all in. You know, if you want to go all in, you got to be willing to go out all out. And if you're going to go all out, you got to be willing to go all in. So you make the decision, are you going to cash in the chips and go all in? You going to put it all on the table and say, this is everything. I'm ready to go. I'm taking the risk. I'm taking the shot. I'm swinging for the fence, I'm going for the Hail Mary, whatever it is, whatever analogy you want to use, what are you prepared to do? What are you willing to do uh, when it comes to your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ? And an assumption that I'm going to make is that the majority of people that may watch here and gather in this format are people that are looking to strengthen their faith, looking to, to, to take their faith in Jesus Christ to a deeper level. And if that's you, I want to applaud you in that. If that's you, I want to invite you with me to go deeper in this journey with Christ. If you're looking for a relationship, you're trying to figure this out, you're a seeker saying, hey, I'm just on the outside looking in, I tell you, man, jump in. Give your life to Jesus. Trust him with not just your past sin or the penalty of your sin, not just with heaven and your eternity. Trust him with today, right here, right now, that life life that you are living in this moment, I believe Jesus can take and meet you here and do incredible things in you, for you, and through you. Today, this is the question that I'll ask you, is how can we impact our world as Christians? Like I said, if you're a seeker looking to see if this would work in my life, seeing if this is something, hang on, don't cut it off, don't move to something else, because I believe today and what we're gonna do can help you, help answer some questions for you, maybe help lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you are a follower of Jesus, how can we, as the church of Jesus Christ, impact our world? How can we impact our world as Christians? And the 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 thing we've been talking about in this journey over the past several weeks is a lot of times we'll say, why me? Why are these difficult things happening to me? Why are these problems happening to me? Why am I going through these difficulties? Well, that is one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, however, is to to take and allow God to work in your life, infuse you with faith, build your faith, strengthen your faith, so that he'll take those moments and use them for growth in your life, to where you'll begin asking the question, not why me, but why not me? Why not me? Why not, why not choose me for this moment? Why not pick me for this difficulty, this trial, this tribulation? That may sound weird, but that's what life is. Life is, a, is just a, it's so much of life are, are ups and downs, but most of life is lived not on the mountaintops, but in the valleys. And we have to, we're either going down into one or coming out of one. And so we've got to learn how to deal with the difficulties and the issues and the obstacles of life. But a faith in Jesus Christ would allow you to say, why me? But no, to say, why not me? I mean, we, we look at things sometimes and we go, man, why is this happening here? Why here? Why is this going on today where we live? Well, I believe as the church of Jesus Christ, God can take our why here moments and say, why not here? 
Why, why, why not here? Why can't God use us here? Why can't God do some miraculous thing here? Why can't God do something special here? And so a real and growing faith is able to turn the questions of why me to why not me? Why here to why not here? Why us to why not us? I mean, you know, you get the personal side of why me. You get the, the church side of why here, or the community side, and now we kind of dive into the church side. And we look at that as individual followers of Jesus. Why us? Why would God pick us? Why would God use us for this moment? Why would God look at us and go, hey, I'm gonna pick them? Because when I read this book, I mean, you start thinking about the people in this book. You start going back into the Old Testament. You see Father Abraham. You see his sons. You see Moses. You see uh, David and Solomon and Daniel and so many others, Isaiah and Jeremiah, so many people that would take their faith and trust God with it. You move into the New Testament and you've got the disciples and you've got Mary and you've got Mary Magdalene and you've got this beginning of the church and all of these things. And when I look at their life, when I look at their faith, and generally I tend to to live on the other side of their faith where they've trusted Christ and God's doing great things with them. There is another side to their life. There's a side before faith. There is a side of the struggles and difficulties and the issues of life. There are all those moments that they encounter and undergo. And I look at them and I go, oh, well, I see why God used them. Oh, I get why God did that. But it may not have ever occurred to you this, that God picked them for that moment, but for some reason, he picked us for this one. And a lot of times we'll look at the difficulties of culture and life in the world. We shake our head and we go, why us? I believe just like God, through his Holy Spirit and his son, impacted the lives of these men and women and used them for that time. I believe God can look at us and say, I'm going to use you for this time. And so why not us? This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. He goes on and he begins to talk about light. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Or you are the, he goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. You're like a a city that is situated on a hill that can't be hidden. He said, and no one, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket But instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. And in the same way, he says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Two things, salt and light. Salt is not good in the shaker. If you want want salt to be used for its purposes, it's got to get out of the shaker. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're no good in a shaker. You got to be, in order to be used for the purposes of life, you got to get outside of that. Light, well, light is no good if it's hidden. Nobody's going to light a lamp and put a cover over it, put a blanket over it, put a basket over it. That just defeats the purpose of the light. And and so Jesus says there's no point in that. If your light is not going to shine, why in the world would you turn it on? Why would you have it? 
And so the the examples that he's using here in salt and light, salt kind of dealing with our character, the internal workings of our life and using that, and then light, light dealing with our conduct and what comes on outside of that. Last week we talked about you were the light of the world, a kind of a corporate analogy, a big group thinking. Today, he says no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but instead, he lets it shine bright so, so, so that everyone in the house can see. This is an individual call. So it's, it's not just us corporately, it's geared to us individually. And so Jesus is talking about you and me as his disciples, his followers, the power of us uncovering our light so that the world can have the light of life. This is what we've done, though. We've allowed fear to conquer our faith. We've taken this this call from God to be the light of the world, to let our light so shine before men, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, and, and all of the things that are associated with that little song, but we've allowed fear to conquer our faith. We said it last week, 2 Timothy 1.7. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The spirit of fear is a demonic spirit that wants to stop you, that wants to conquer you, that wants to keep you from experiencing real life that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that fear needs to be rebuked. That fear needs to be pushed aside. That fear needs to not be allowed to conquer our faith because the spirit of God is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And God wants to use those things in your life not to be conquered, but so that your faith will conquer your fear. I mean, if, if I'm afraid, fear is not, it's, it's not the absence of courage in my life. It's not, to, it's not something that keeps me from doing things. It, it can but, but it's, it's really not about what, what fear does to me. It's what I do through the fear, that I push through it and I don't let it stop me. And I have to keep pressing forward because either fear's gonna conquer my faith or I'm gonna let my faith conquer my fear. Jesus said this in John 8. He said, I am the light of the world. The real light of the world is the Lord Jesus Christ. In relation to the sun and the moon, Jesus is the sun, we are the moon. All the moon does for us is reflect the sun's light. It is a lesser light, but it is a reflection of the true light, the one big light. The the moon puts off no light on its own. It is a reflection of the sun's light. And so we are the same. We aren't the light. We aren't the the ones that brought salvation and forgiveness and grace into the world. The Lord Jesus did that. He is the light of the world. But we are a reflection of that, as we'll see in a passage today. And he said, anyone who follows me, they'll never have to walk in the darkness, but they will have the light of life. And so today, we need to understand this truth, that the light in you, If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the light in you is more powerful than the darkness around you. Today, this little why of mine, (laughs) I love it, this little light of mine is the song, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let Satan 
it out, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to shine it until Jesus comes because I'm going to let my light shine. A lot of times it's not, it's, it's the whys of life that keep us from letting the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shine in us and through us. So today, I just want to deal with this little why of mine. Two things. Two whys today, two questions for you. Why should I? Why should I say yes to Jesus? At Southside, we talk about two things on a regular basis, mission and vision. We say that our mission is to build real followers of Jesus Christ. Not perfect, but real. Genuine and authentic. And in order to experience that and see that, it's gonna, life gets messy. People get messy. Things get messy because it's just always a constant struggle between being genuine and not and trying to fight through that and find it. But, but we want to see people be real followers of Jesus. And I believe that that helps us accomplish vision. And the vision here is that we want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where God placed us in Northeast Georgia. And so I want people to say yes to a relationship to Jesus Christ. And so the question is, today, why should I say yes? Why should you say yes to Jesus? What does it mean to have a real, growing faith and relationship in Jesus Christ? We'll take you to two passages today. Both of them are in the book of 2 Corinthians. Well, where is 2 Corinthians? It's very easy to find. It comes right after 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. Ah! Anyway, so it's very easy. You find 1 Corinthians, it's going to be simple to find 2 Corinthians. Go to the middle of the New Testament, open up your Bible, boom, I bet you'll find it. And so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the passage that we're going to use begins with the word, therefore. Therefore, if I ever see that word in my Bible, if I see the word therefore, I'm going to ask myself the question, what's it there for? Why is it there? What has been said? Something before it has been communicated that leads to what this guy is about to say. And the therefore that he says is therefore having such a hope. We use great boldness. What we see in the book of 2 Corinthians, specifically here in chapter 3, is that the Apostle Paul is speaking about Moses. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world, powerful man of faith, powerful leader, and uh, not just of a few people, but of an entire nation. Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. But there's a moment where they're on their way to the promised land, and it is a fulfillment of something that God promised him. Back in Exodus 3, Moses goes to the, he's out taking care of his father-in-law's sheep and he sees a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. It's his burning bush moment and he meets God there. God tells him to go to tell Pharaoh to let his people go and all of these different things. And Moses is like, why me? Why me? I don't want to do this. Why me? I've got all these problems. And God said, I'm going to make a promise to you, Moses. He said, once you go and do this, and once you lead these people out, and once you bring them to this, you're going to bring them back to this spot, back to this mountain, and we're going to worship me here. 
And, and so that's really what this is dealing with is that moment. In Exodus uh, chapter 34, it comes right after the Ten Commandment moment. Moses goes back up on this mountain and he meets with God and gets all of these rules, all of these laws, all of these guidelines, all of this structure. Well, why would he do that? Because there's, there's two million people at the bottom of the mountain that are looking for someone to lead them and they need guidelines, rules, structures, and order. See, ab, see, freedom is not found in the absence of rules. It's found in the presence of rules. And God is giving him this order. And meanwhile, they get the people down, down at the bottom of the mountain get irritated, they get f- f- fearful, they panic, and they make an idol out of gold, and they begin to worship it because they think Moses is dead, he's not coming back. It's been 40 days and 40 nights. And then Moses comes down carrying the Ten Commandments. He sees what's going on. Moses has got a little hot streak. He takes these things and goes, bam! The Ten Commandments inscribed by the finger of God He shatters them on the rocks. And a few chapters go by, and then Moses goes back up the mountain. And there he meets with God again, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. God takes two stone tablets, and it says they were inscribed again by the finger of God. He wrote these ten statements. And and it was such a powerful moment, the glory of God, the holiness of God fell on that mountain that when Moses came down, his face was glowing. I mean, it was different. And when he came down and the people saw it, it messed them up. They were terrified. They didn't want to come near him because of the glow of the presence of being in the presence of God was on his face. So Moses had to cover his face. And anytime he went to meet with God, God's glory would take over him and he would come out of that meeting and his face was glowing. And he would have to cover it up because it scared them. The same thing that God did in him and around him, he does for you through the person of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter three, that's what we see in this passage. And Paul says, therefore, we have a great hope. And because of that, we use great boldness. He says, we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. He would come out of that moment, he would cover his face, and as the the glory of God would fade away, he was able to remove the veil. People weren't afraid anymore, and they came around him. Here, Paul said, we're not like Moses. We, number one, don't have to put a basket over our light to hide it. Number two, this thing, this light that Jesus Christ has done inside of us is not something that fades away. But their minds were closed. And he says, for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, And the old covenant is a covenant of law. It's a covenant that is, the glory is fading. 
And, and, it, and it leads into the New Testament, the new covenant, a covenant of grace, a covenant that is the glory is increasing because we get closer and closer to heaven. We get closer and closer with Jesus. We experience more and more of his spirit's power in us. It's an increasing glory, not a fading glory. And so he said, for this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is only set aside in Jesus Christ. He said, even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. Why? Why should I say yes to Jesus? Paul is talking about what a relationship with Jesus looks like. He said it's, it's like a mirror. When you're born and you live this life and you're raised, you're growing up, a life lived unto yourself is a place where it's like holding a mirror in your hand. And you take that mirror and you're looking at it. Because that's what we do with mirrors. We see our reflection. And that's the way we live life. Life is self-centered. Life is about us. We are the thing that that the world revolves around. We are the center of our life. And our life is veiled because we're missing what we were truly created for and whom we were truly created by. But it's in the moment that you realize the need of a Savior, a relationship that can only be found in Jesus Christ, and you turn to Him. It's in that moment when you turn to Jesus that that veil is removed. That you realize you've been forgiven for the penalty of your sin. You also find out and experience the fact that one day you'll be removed from the presence of sin in heaven. And meanwhile, between those two moments, God is trying to set you free from the power of sin. And so it's in that time that the veil is removed and we experience that and a shift happens with the mirror because the mirror no longer is there to reflect me to the world. The mirror is there to reflect Jesus to the world. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, not just any spirit, the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why should you and I say yes to Jesus? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin. Freedom one day from the presence of sin and the promise that God will help move you beyond 
and give you freedom over the power of sin. Paul goes on and he says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and right now are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. From the glory of God through us to the glory of God being communicated and seen in the world. See, I believe that God created us in his image so that we would be a reflection, so that we would reflect who he is, how great he is, and what he is to the rest of the world. A lot of people live with the poochie lip disease. A lot of people live with a downcast face. A lot of people live angry. I mean, with all the things that are going on in the world, when people step into church, it ought to feel different. There ought to be a difference about it. There ought to be a difference because it's full of people that have unveiled faces that are living out and shining the glory of God, that are reflecting the image of God into a world. That's my purpose as a follower of Christ, not to reflect my image, but to reflect his image, not to live with a veiled face, downcast, defeated, beaten, bondaged up, chained up, not to live like that, but to live free of sin, to live free of depression, to live free of anxiety, and let the joy of the Lord be my strength. And I'm not saying you fake it, but I'm saying you live in such a way where God is so working in you that he comes out of you. There's just That's just what happened to Moses. Moses spent time with God. The glory of God just totally enveloped him. He had a, a glow about him and it, it just messed with people. And he had to cover it up until it went away. It was fading. But the promise of the new covenant and the gospel of Jesus Christ is that his glory doesn't fade. It gets stronger and it gets more apparent. It gets more visible the more you let it out because you were made to reflect his glory. Why? This is the why of mine? Why should I let, why should I say yes to Jesus? Because he wants to give me freedom, because he wants to give me life, because he wants me to be a reflection of his amazing grace and love to a dark and lost world. Number two, this is the why of mine? Why does my yes matter? If I'm gonna say yes to Jesus, why does that matter? Why does that matter today? Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, because of this call from God, because of this offer to, from God to, to, uh, to let us live with freedom, unveiled, shining the glory of God, he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, he said, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop. He said, instead, we have renounced shameful, secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message, but commending ourselves to every person's conscience in God's sight by an open display of the truth. I get it. Some people come to church and it doesn't feel normal to them. It feels weird. You know why? If they don't have Christ in their life, if they're not living the life of faith through the, from the God of the Bible, it probably does feel weird. 
It's just like me going out into the world because people that are practicing faith and trying to live it out on an everyday basis, everywhere we go outside of the church is weird. Everywhere. It's crazy because nothing, nothing is accept, we are not accepted in any venue. I mean, it's crazy, we're different. We got two bathrooms here. Men use one, ladies use the other. <laughs> you know, we stand on values and principles. I mean, I get it, the world, what, they've taken everything. They have, they've taken gender, they've taken identity, they took the rainbow, they took Disney World, come on. It's, we don't feel comfortable anywhere, we shouldn't because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. And Paul said, listen, this is what you do. We renounce shameful secret things. We don't walk into seed or distort God's message. We commend ourselves to every person's conscience. We wanna be a difference maker and help people. And with an open display of the truth, he said, but if our gospel is veiled, it's only veiled to those people that are going to hell. And he says this, in their case, the God, little g, of this age, the devil himself, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What does the enemy, what does the enemy want to do is to veil and blind your heart and your life so that you can't see who Christ really is? He says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as slaves because of Jesus. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Why does my yes matter? Your yes in Jesus and to Jesus matters because when you put your yes on the table and you begin to walk out your faith and learn his word and allow his spirit to transform your life, an ever-increasing glory begins to radiate from you, yes, from your face, yes, from your actions, yes, from your words, in every avenue and place of life. See, I believe that the way you live your faith determines how you fulfill it. The way you see your struggles or determine, it help determine how you go through it. And the way you live your life or see your life determines how you live it. God makes a lot of promises to us through his word. This entire book is full of God's working and action and statements and promises to people that are just as real and true for you as they were then. Why them? Why not them? Why us? Why not us? I don't know what you're facing. don't know what you're going through today. don't know what you're experiencing. But if the world seems dark to you, if life is difficult for you, then I want to tell you today, don't ever doubt in the darkness what God has promised you in the light. Philippians chapter 2, Paul said life, well, life is not about getting through it in order to get to Jesus. It's about meeting Jesus where you are. Philippians 2, Paul said, so that. So that is like a therefore. 
so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world and hold firmly to the message of life. I carry this thing everywhere I go. It's an extension of me just like yours is an extension of you. And every now and then I'll turn on this little flashlight and I'm reminded of the little song, This Little Light of Mine. And you have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ because everybody will. But when you give your yes to him and he enters your life, that yes matters because he wants that yes to shine. He wants you to allow him to be the center of your life so that you begin to reflect him and not you. Today, let Jesus be the one who shines through you. Let his light be the light that doesn't just impact your life and then you cover it up. You let that light shine so that those that are around you, the world that you're in, can see it and be drawn to him. My question today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there ever been a time in your life where you said yes to the one who gave his life for you? That's where everybody starts. It's not the finish it's just the beginning. If you don't know Jesus today, would, would you pray with me? Would you call on his name and invite him into your life? You can pray something like this. Say, God, I, I believe in you. And I believe that you sent your one and only son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm asking you today to forgive me for my sin by your grace make me right with you say these words to him say Jesus be the Savior and Lord of my life I'm ready I'm ready to invite you in and ready for you to make a difference through me I'm putting my yes on the table in Jesus name If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside, I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.